to Marvel. Stop me now. Don't stop me, cause I'm having a good time. Having a good time. I'm shooting star leaping through the sky. Like a tiger defying the laws of gravity. I'm a racing car passing by like Lady Kadaya. I'm on a go, go, go dance for stopping me. I'm burning through the sky, yeah. 200 degrees, that's why they call me Mr. Fahrenheit. I'm traveling at the speed of light. I'm a supersonic man out of you. Welcome into the show, Marvel Fantasy Football Podcast, for the final time of 2022. My goodness, I'm out of breath. I don't like karaoke, but I like karaoke when I win championships. Let's go! I'm very excited, a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication to the zero RB strategy, and I think it went pretty well. Uh, had to throw out the... Uh, the Mr. Fahrenheit, um, you know, song. That's that's where the name came from. The Queen song, Don't Stop Me Now. Love that song. Still out of breath. But welcome into the show. Um, with all that excitement, obviously, you know, we want to keep uh, DeMar Hamlin in our prayers. Um, and I mean that sincerely, genuinely. If you get a second throughout your day and, and you do pray, you know, continue to pray for him and his family. Obviously, stuff like this happens to people, you know, throughout the world, and, and we don't really know about it. It's it's one of those things that's just it's kind of unseen. Um, but this kind of brought the sports worlds together. It happening on live TV, um, obviously in the sport that we love of football and, and fantasy football. I know he's a defensive player, but for, for us to see that, I just, and again, I don't want to be insensitive here at all. Um, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do that thing that the professional commentators do where they, they, they slow their voice down and, and, and lower, lower their voice. Um, I think I can talk normally and just say that we truly uh, hope and pray for his recovery and uh, to give the doctors the knowledge and strength and uh, his family the strength to just support him. Um, but, you know, and the part I don't want to be insensitive about is like, I was thinking the other day, it's like, I've never seen someone die on live TV. And I don't want to, I mean, that's not something we should see. I watch a lot of UFC and fighting and I see some vicious knockouts and those guys, I mean, within seconds, they're right back up and they go right into recovery. No issue, no problem. We've seen guys, very scary things like this year, Tua, Remember when he got knocked out, his his hands and fingers kind of curled up. How scary was that? But again, within minutes, he was already walking off the field and recovering. So with all that said, we just, you know, obviously keep him in our thoughts and, thoughts and prayers. And I hate saying those words, thoughts and prayers. It seems um, so cliche, but we, we truly do pray for him and his family. So moving on. Uh, so this episode is going to be the recap show kind of rambling on here. I'm one energy drink deep. Uh, we need to we need to pull the energy out for today's show. It's the final show. It's probably the longest show. Um, and yeah, the kids didn't uh, the kids didn't sleep well last night. Everyone ended up in the bed and uh, if you're a parent, you know that you're not getting good sleeps when there's uh, four people and a cat in your bed. So I brought the energy today. So today's recap show we're going to be going over what went right. And what went wrong for each and every team, I highly suspect that not everybody in our league is going to be listening to this. This takes dedication. If you want dedication, listen to a fantasy football recap show for a random $25 league. Um, usually when things go wrong, you don't want to you know, talk about everything that went wrong with your team. Um, you know, Newsflash, it's going to be mostly injuries. But not tooting my own horn at all, but I'm a prime example that injuries aren't everything. You can overcome them. Um, I did lose Brees Hall, which I'll talk about several times this year. I made a trade with Tom. I lost Brees Hall. And even in a zero RB build, I had no backup plan. I was able to kind of put together a nice little running back room. On top of that, 
you know, one of the staples of my team, Jalen Hurts, uh, goes down. I didn't have Jalen Hurts for my playoff run, if you think about that. So not having Brees Hall for most of the year is one thing, but losing my high-end quarterback, which it seemed like anybody that had a high-end quarterback was in contention this year, losing him and still being able to win a championship, just my point is never give up. Just keep going. Keep doing your research. Um, and then, of course, we want to talk about all the good things you guys did. I've seen some absolute you know, progression in some of your fantasy football uh, play styles. And we'll talk about all the things you did right, all the things you did wrong. And we're going to start, um, you know, this this order is ranked uh, last to first. And, uh, yeah, we're going to dive right in. So stay tuned. And once again, thanks for listening in. All right, our first team is going to be Juan's team, where it went right. Listen, his team looks a lot better now in week 18 than it did in the middle of the season. Um, guys are starting to come on. Guys like Cam Akers, Evan Ingram at his tight end position. Najee Harris is all of a sudden back to form. Dalvin Cook, you know, a dud week last week in championship week. Obviously, one wasn't playing for that. But um, but Dalvin had himself a couple good weeks here to end Juan's season. He beat me in that last regular season game. Juan's team is looking much better now. It's just too bad it wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't really playing for anything. Uh, but if we were to continue the season right now, his team, I mean, week 18 projections have him at 107.5. That's right where you should be for a, for a middling, uh, you know, maybe even above average uh, projection there if we were to continue on uh, past week 18. And of course, where it went wrong was the trade of Paluski with himself and Josh. Of course, he he acquired Dalvin Cook, Trevor Lawrence, Hunter Renfro, Chase Edmonds, and Romeo Dobbs, but giving up Tom Brady, Devontae Adams, Raheem Mostert, Juju Smith-Schuster, and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, there's really only two useful players that Juan got back in the deal in Dalvin Cook and uh, as of late, Trevor Lawrence. And I don't even think he was playing Trevor Lawrence all that much. So you're talking about really a five for four trade where you got Dalvin in return, but giving up Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins, who, if you remember, Hopkins was just about to come back from his suspension so it was almost a rental agreement. I'm not saying collusion. Uh, it was almost a rental agreement in hindsight where Juan was going to hold DeAndre Hopkins for the full six-week suspension. And right when he was about to return, trades him to Josh. I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, just some advice. If you're ever going to do that, trade him First of all, don't draft him if that's the goal. If you if you draft the DeAndre Hopkins or, you know, we're going to find ourselves in a situation with Alvin Kamara next year, he's probably going to be suspended at the beginning of the year for his fight that he had in Vegas two seasons ago. If you draft a guy knowing he's going to be suspended six weeks, you're almost committing to him. I mean, almost entirely for the year. Because when he comes back, usually they don't always – you know, get the full workload. Now Hopkins did. So this, that's why this, in hindsight, this trade was not great for Juan. I mean, Hopkins came back ready. This was no injury. So he's been training, ready to go. And uh, the trade of Palooza is where it went wrong for Juan. That's where his team really dipped down. Um, and that's where, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about Josh's team, but that's the difference uh, between Juan's team. And that's where it went wrong. Our next team is going to be Mike Carrado's team, Bathroom Handjobs, where it went right. Listen, TJ Hawkinson, the tight end position for Carrado. Excellent pickup. Uh, TJ Hawkinson finishes as the tight end two. That's right. He ended up beating out Mark Andrews, George Kittle, uh, obviously Kyle Pitts. But what a, uh, what a pickup by Mike drafted him I believe and of course that trade from the Lions to the Vikings just 
boosted TJ Hawkinson. So in a situation where we thought it was so obvious that Mark Andrews, it was going to be Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, in any order you want there, and then the rest of the field for tight ends, um, Corrado found himself a stud tight end this year, and that's where it went right. And of course, where it went wrong, this is almost like a three four, uh, a three for, is that what they say? Um, three things that kind of went wrong here for Corrado was the quarterback position, the running back two position, and the wide receiver two position. So, real quick, Corrado drafted, of course, Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson. Unlimited. I don't have a soundboard, so that was just myself impersonating uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson. Um, but, you know, it, it, in the beginning of the season, you almost had to keep playing him because we know what Russ used to be, and uh, it just never came back. The Denver Broncos were the worst offense in the league this year. I don't fault uh, Mike for trying to, you know, find a good quarterback late that's what we usually do in in drafts and he was a late round pickup for Russell Wilson with high upside and the upside just wasn't there and it really hurt Corrado's point output uh his RB2 position was just a carousel he had to start um Latavius Murray for most of the year as his RB2 we just talked about how terrible that Denver Broncos offense was so starting the the starting running back for the Broncos as your RB2 in fantasy football not ideal, but he was kind of in a pickle. Um, and then the wide receiver two position, we just talked about it again. Denver Broncos, he had Cortland Sutton, who not only was injured towards the end of the year, at that point, Corrado's season was already over, but Cortland Sutton had himself a situation where Jerry Judy was banged up and he just never really took, you know, took over that wide receiver one position. I don't know if it was because of coaching. I don't know if it was because of Mr. Unlimited. I, I don't know if it's because Cortland Sutton is, is one of the worst wide receivers at getting separation in the NFL. Um, I, I don't know if he's a good receiver. I think he's a good number two receiver uh, on, the, on an NFL offense and more like a number four receiver in fantasy football. So if he was your second flex and you were already starting Russell Wilson and you want to have that little stack, but you're not expecting that much from him, then that's where I would put Cortland Sutton. But as your wide receiver, too, it really killed you having three Denver Broncos on your uh, fantasy team. So Corrado finishes the year at 4-10. and 10. Our next team is going to be the trophy wife, Taylor. Where it went right I would say her draft. I think her draft went well. Um, let's take a look at her team. As far as all the way back at week one, Austin Eckler was her first pick. And guess what? She He was drafted third overall. He finishes as the RB1. She also drafted Zeke Elliott, Mike Evans, Dallas Goddard, Amin Ra St. Brown. Amin Ra finishes as the wide receiver eight. Shockingly, Mike Evans somehow has the wide receiver 11. Obviously, Mike Evans is now on my team. Uh, but nonetheless, she did draft him. And Zeke Elliott, I mean, listen, this guy just keeps chugging along. He's the freight train for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and he finishes as the RB18. And that's about where Taylor drafted him. I, I don't think she expected him to be the RB1 overall. Uh, but, you know, he didn't do much towards the beginning of the season, and I think it hurt her a little bit. We'll talk more about what went wrong, but I think she had an overall great draft. Dallas Goddard, you know, as a premier tight end, somehow finished as the as the tight end 12, and um, I just think she had some good depth here. Now, she drafted Derek Carr, but she backed herself up drafting Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was the QB nine at the end of the season this year. So of course Carr wasn't, you know, the best pick at QB 16 to end the season, but she backed herself up late round quarterback draft. And, um, you know, if she played matchups, she probably could have used these two guys all year long. 
Where it went wrong for Taylor, pretty much injuries. So, obviously, Rashad Penny got injured early on. She lost Dallas Goddard. Her depth at the running back position uh, wasn't great. Now, coming into week one, she had uh, Deontay Foreman on her bench, as well as Tyler Algier. Now, we know those two guys as end-of-season darlings, but they were literally unplayable in the beginning of the season. So I don't blame her at all, not one bit, um, you know, not playing them in their starting lineup. We have to remember what was going on. That was when Cordero Patterson was going off for the Falcons early on. Christian McCaffrey was still with the Panthers. Uh, so Deontay Foreman had no role there. In fact, come week two, Tyler Algier was already dropped by her. And that was the right move at that point. Um, you know, and Darnell Mooney as her wide receiver too. Just unfortunate there. The way the Bears offense was at the beginning of the season and actually towards the end of the season. I know Justin Fields kind of broke out, but it was with his legs exclusively. There were there was nothing to be excited about in the passing game of the Chicago Bears. Only recently Cole Komet became a viable tight end option. But no receivers, including Darnell Mooney, who also got hurt, um, really hurt her team. Now, she did make that trade with me. She sent Mike Evans to my squad for Damian Harris and Jahan Dotson. At the time, it seemed like a good trade for both teams. I was going zero RB, so I was willing to give up any of my running backs at all time. And Mike Evans really underachieved this year. But unfortunately, what happened for Taylor is, of course, Damian Harris goes to her team and immediately gets injured. So I think what what went wrong for Taylor was mostly injury-based. So look for Taylor to have a much better season next year as she ends this year at 5-9. and nine. Our next team is going to be Tom's team, the Pillar of Fire. Where it went right, this is almost a copy and paste situation with Taylor. Where it went right was Tom's draft. My goodness, after that draft, I, I don't recall what I gave him for a draft grade. I believe I had him um, as a bubble team, meaning just outside the playoffs, but most likely contending. Uh, but looking back, he put up 140 points week one. That's no accident because some of the players... Uh, Kyler Murray at his quarterback position, DeAndre Swift, A.J. Dillon, Cooper Cup. Don't forget about Cooper Cup. Mike Williams, Dalton Schultz, Michael Thomas. He had Brees Hall on his bench. Um, you know, players and talent all over the place. It just never really came together from the middle of the season on. You know, maybe Pillar Fire was more like a dumpster fire. That was really harsh. Actually, in the middle... <laughs> In the middle of me saying that, I was like, this is going to come out way harsher than I originally meant for it to be. I'm not talking trash at all. Um, I thought Pillar of Fire had a good shot to win the championship, um, but he had an excellent draft. Just another one of those teams that I did not want to play. And, of course, where it went wrong. Now, for the, some of these um, bottom-of-the-league teams, it's hard for me not to talk about what, what went wrong in the what-went-right section because a lot of this stuff is not their fault. I had said it's a copy-and-paste situation with him and Taylor because injuries, that is why Tom was pretty much out of contention from the middle of the season on. He loses Cooper Cup, his number one pick, the bona fide number one wide receiver darling from last year, and he was on pace to do it again this year, even with Matthew Stafford struggling. Cooper Cup um, unbelievably still finishes as the wide receiver 21 on the season, averaging 18.2 fantasy points per game. When you lose a player like that uh, in the middle of the season, it's just not going to be easy to replace him. He ends up losing as well, Kyler Murray. Uh, and in the middle of the season, we made a trade himself, himself and I, Mr. Fahrenheit, um, Damian Pierce and DJ Moore for Brees Hall. 
Of course, Brees Hall, you know, we'll talk about my team later. Brees Hall goes down with injury. But Damian Pierce had himself a nice little season. And then, of course, he ends up getting injured for Tom. Um, and then don't forget, Michael Thomas just maybe played three good games and uh, ends up not coming back. I don't know if his career is over or not, but I wouldn't trust him in fantasy ever again. So it's a tale of injuries for Tom's team as he also goes 5-9. and nine mirroring Taylor's team at five and nine, same exact situation, great draft, bad luck with injuries. Uh, I have a feeling these two are going to make a incredible bounce back next season. Our next team is going to be the book of Samuel. Joe chick at six and eight finishes the year. Let's talk about his team. What went right? I think what went right was his ability to draft dynamic players. I mean, weak winning upside for each guy. Guys like Javante Williams, uh, even Miles Sanders was an absolute darling in the middle rounds, finishes as the running back 11. I thought there was a chance he was going to lose his job as the starting running back. You know, they had Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. I'm not saying those guys were ever better than Miles Sanders, but it just seemed like the writing was on the wall that it was going to be a triple running back by committee. But Miles Sanders was just a diamond in the rough in those late, late rounds. A fantastic choice by Joe Chick as his running back, too. Back to the, uh, you know, the high end upside guys. Debo Samuel, his boy. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, I mean, just incredible. Uh, George Kittle uh, paired with Pat Fryermuth, so his tight end position was absolutely locked up, having two basically premier tight ends. Um, Pat Fryermuth finishing as the tight end seven on the year, while George Kittle finishing as the tight end four. Now, we know much later on, George Kittle ended up going to Taylor's team, but just looking back at his week one lineup, and of course he had Joe Burr, Joe Burrow as his quarterback. Excellent pick there. His team was absolutely scary, again, with with league and week winning upside every single week. And um, again, just another team that, of course, his record doesn't match what, you know, I would have been scared to play this team. A lot of upside here. Now, of course, we need to talk about what went wrong. It's easy to just, once again, copy and paste what happened with Taylor and with uh, Tom because injuries are injuries are a you-know-what. I mean, they suck, but it's part of fantasy football. You know, I won the championship, and I had mega injuries as well. So we all go through it. It doesn't mean your team is out of it. I'll go back to this, and I don't know. I still had no idea. There's no next-gen research for this. Uh, I haven't heard many analysts or, you know, professional fantasy football players talk about this. Uh, but if you remember in the draft grade episode, I mentioned how many players he had on his team that were from the same NFL team. And I don't know the correlation, but there was something was going on in the beginning of the season for Joe Chick. He was losing matchups very close. He was putting up points. He was never getting those boom 150 point weeks that some of us got. You know what I mean? Like I lost my first week by a one point. I only had like 86 points. But the next week I put up like 170. Like, And I know it depends how you like to play fantasy football. Maybe you just like to hover around that triple digit mark instead of having the boomer bust. I like going for the win. I'm a, I'm a boomer bust type of guy rather than just, you know, get the 108 points every week. That's just me. And it seemed like Joe's team, to no fault of his own, was was just kind of hovering around 100 points, 112 points. Like week one, 112 points. Week two, 92 points. Week three, 96 points. Uh, week four, 106 Week five, 94. Do you see where I'm getting at? And I don't know if it's the correlation, if there's a correlation with what I said at the beginning of the season where he had three 49ers players starting at once and two Eagles players. I have no idea. But to me, 
sometimes I still feel like if you don't get the right person scoring a touchdown on the 49ers, those three team, those three players on your team are suffering. On that drive, they did not score a touchdown. There's zero chance of them scoring a touchdown on the drive if someone else does, right? That's pretty clear and obvious. And now they have to kick off to the other team, and they're not going to see the ball for a little while. So who knows? Maybe this is a new philosophy that you worry about. You know, we talk about stacks. It's fun to have a quarterback in a wide receiver stack, except when they have a bad game. Imagine if you had Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson last week. I mean, Justin Jefferson had like one catch. <laughs> uh, you probably lost your fantasy championship. I've seen that in leagues all over the place. So there, there, there is something to be said about having players on the same team. And I just don't know if I like it when they're not a quarterback wide receiver, uh, you know, stack. So he had multiple uh, positional players. So very interesting. Joe Chick finishes the season at six and eight. And uh, we'll look for a bounce back next year. We're happy to have him. And hopefully he's willing and able to come back to the Marvel Fantasy Football League. Our next team is going to be Yeeters, Skeeters, Jason Kelly. What went right? The quarterback position. Josh Allen, first quarterback taken in the draft uh, this past year. He was drafted 28th overall. Again, I remember, you know, we were at Roach's house and uh, I saw Jason grab Mr. Josh Allen and it was, I, I felt like he almost did it as a joke to to get at because you know every year we get at Gage right Gage always says I'm gonna draft Josh Allen first round and then never drafts Josh Allen you know he he still plays fantasy football the way it should be played you don't want to just take a player first overall but uh, Jason grabs Josh Allen and kind of like laughs about it and I thought it, I don't know, I thought it was a little early, but um, it turns out this year, if you had one of those premier quarterbacks, maybe there were like five of them, your team was putting up points. And where he got it right was the quarterback position. Josh Allen finishes as the QB2, and that's without completing last week's Monday Night Football game, of course with the uh, DeMar Hamlin situation. So I don't think he could have passed Patrick Mahomes, who finishes at number one. Um, but nonetheless, Josh Allen was an absolute stud this year. Now let's talk about what went wrong. And of course, it's going to be Jason's general activity in the league. Um, I'm not saying acquisitions equals uh, fantasy championships. But let's talk about that he only had eight acquisitions all year long, meaning the only time he ever, ever picked somebody up was when he didn't have a single player on his bench and maybe some bye weeks and injuries. Most of the time, he just kept using guys on his bench to replace his starters if they had a bye week or injury where the guys on his bench were just not good options. It's almost like he treated his team as, as the only option to replace his starters. It, does that make sense? Like, oh, I'm just going to stick to this team. Like, he, he wasn't adding, dropping anyone. Now, there's a case to be made that if you have too many acquisitions, like you just you maybe you're second guessing yourself. You're just adding players, dropping players. I know I feel that way sometimes. I, I'd, I have to look at the numbers, but I probably led the league in acquisitions, and that's only because I was scrambling some of these some of these weeks to find a, a running back with my roster makeup. But back to Jason's team, he's got to do some more research and use the waiver wire. I I think he only used the actual waivers uh, once, and that was to get Hollywood Brown back, who he dropped, and we all kind of mocked him for. Uh, it was a funny funny gag it turns out Hollywood Brown didn't do much after that um so that's why we don't you know that's why we don't uh veto trades and stuff you just never know it seemed absolutely crazy that Hollywood Brown was on the waiver wire but he's kind of a waiver wire type player towards the second half of the season if you remember Kyler Murray got injured 
and Colt McCoy also did as well. So the third string quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals uh, can't sustain uh, DeAndre Hopkins, let alone a second receiving option in Arizona. But uh, but where it went wrong for Jason, um, again, just general activity. Like, dude, on Tuesday night, use the waiver wire, meaning put in bids for players that will improve your team. Otherwise, you are going to be stuck with the team you drafted. And I don't know many people that can win a championship literally sticking with the team you drafted. You have to adapt as the season goes on. You have to add players and you have to get rid of players that are not helping your team. And um, if I had to add a secondary, it was that random trade with Josh. Um, Jason makes two trades this season, one with me as well, where basically I just got Stefan Diggs back. I already had Stefan Diggs, so not much there. But um, trading Derrick Henry when you really only had Leonard Fournette, you only had two running backs at that point. Um, just not a good idea. At this time, you know, I know his season's been done for a little while. He still only has two running backs on his roster. Can't win that way. You got to stack up a couple backup options at running back. Um, not trying to give advice here, just letting you know kind of how fantasy works. It would be very, very tough to win with only two quarter, uh, running backs, especially if one of them is Derrick Henry and you trade him. So that's what went wrong for Jason. And he ends his season at 7-7. Seven and seven, And it kind of would have been crazy if he got into the playoffs because he um, he just barely outscored his points against. He had only five more points, points for uh, versus his points against. So he needed a win in a win and in situation as his last regular season game and couldn't get it done versus Corrado once again ends at seven and seven. So we'll look for uh, maybe some improvements from Jason next season. Our next team is going to be Gage's team and <laughs> his team name is now just Mariah Carey. So he's gone through several uh, team name changes trying to find that optimal optimal name uh where he can just um be comfortable in his uh with his roster. I don't know. Uh but let's talk about what went right for Gage and that's going to be the running back position. Um all year long he had one of the best running back rooms in our league starting off with Christian McCaffrey who not only was great with the Carolina Panthers Obviously was traded to the San Francisco 49ers and kind of just took off from there. He is now actually the favorite, tied tied as the favorite for the comeback player of the year. He's tied with Geno Smith, according to Vegas, at plus 150. I would have thought Geno would have been the heavy favorite because of what, you know, Geno taking about like eight years off and now all of a sudden coming back and leading the league in passing percentage and having a great season. He had, you know, he coined the phrase, the, you know, the, the punchline in week one, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. Like, it's a perfect comeback story. I'd be shocked if Gino didn't win it. But Christian McCaffrey, what he's doing right now, he's more of the MVP of the comeback players, if you will. Meaning, look at the 49ers on their third string I know I'm getting off topic here, but 49ers with their third string quarterback, rookie quarterback, sixth round. And the reason why they're on an eight game winning streak is because of Christian McCaffrey. Let's be honest. So uh, unbelievable pickup. You know, obviously he went all in on CMC this year and I was all about it as well. Uh, continuing on to the topic, uh, Nick Chubb as his running back two had a phenomenal year. Um, actually took a step back when Deshaun Watson came into the fold. So he was playing much better with Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback. Um, and then he also drafted Michael Carter, who didn't really work out this year, but he had Ramondre Stevenson and Jamal Williams, who obviously Jamal Williams ended up finishing as the running back 12 on the year, 15 touchdowns. Um with still one week to play, but for our purposes here, 15 touchdowns. And we know that Ramondre Stevenson was traded by Gage to Elliott. Um, I guess you could probably mark that down as uh, what went wrong. But as far as what went right, his running back room was one of the best in our league. 
Now let's talk about what went wrong. So Gage finishes the season at 6-8. and eight. He was in the playoffs. He did win his division. Um, as far as I know, I don't see anybody anybody that was snubbed not making the playoffs. So I know we're, you know, about five weeks left in the season. There was a lot of chatter about switching playoff format and divisions. And I think it worked out perfect. I don't know. You tell me. I know I know he had a losing record, but you look at you go look at Gage's team and tell me that that's not a playoff roster. I mean, I th- I think he deserved to get in. I think he uh, you know, got a couple loss unfair losses there as we all do. Uh, but I think he deserved it. He won his division and I I'm kind of still enjoying the you know, the aspect of uh rivals and rivalries and the more people we retain every year, those rivalries are just going to continue to build. So, uh but let's talk about what went wrong. Uh, the tight end and quarterback position for Gage. Um, you know, week one, his tight end was Hunter Henry. That didn't really work out. We kind of saw what the Patriots offense was going to be. He tried to fill that void with a Logan Thomas. <laughs> we know what the Washington Commanders offense looks like. Then he tried to fill the void later on with Robert Tunyon. And he circled all the way back around with Hunter Henry still as his tight end to end the season. He never really finished uh, you know, he had definitely the worst tight end in the league. He never found someone to fill that spot. So he's losing a good amount of points at that position. He traded Ramondre Stevenson for Gabe Davis. I would have liked to see him maybe trade Ramondre for a um, a top-tier tight end to kind of fill that void. But I understand he's a Bills guy. There is a lot of boom when it comes to Gabe Davis, but it was more oftentimes than not a bust. And I would have liked to see him go for that premier tight end and possibly even worse the quarterback position now listen he had Dak Prescott um, but he changed his starting quarterback eight times in the first 11 weeks so that just goes to show you and we know Dak got hurt early on in the season but he went from Dak Prescott week one Kirk Cousins week two Kirk Cousins week three Marcus Mariota week four Ryan Tannehill week five Daniel Jones, week six. Back to Dak Prescott, week seven. Tua, week eight. Tua, week nine. Tua, week 10. And then back to Dak Prescott in week 11. That's eight quarterback changes in 11 weeks. And uh, again, he just never found himself that high-end starting quarterback where if you had a Josh Allen, a Joe Burrow, uh, Jalen Hurts, we were winning league. We were winning games and... Um, you know, Gage was looking for tight end and quarterback and had every other position filled. Um, you know, he did have C.D. Lamb, who ends up as the uh, wide receiver six. So I forgot to mention him and what went right, but he was a phenomenal pick for Gage. But listen, in the end, Gage had a good season. His record, I think, um, you know, doesn't prove that with six and eight, but I think he had a better season than what his record is showing here. So that's what went wrong for Gage Aziz. Our next team is going to be Els Bells. Elliot Shabelli, a heavy favorite to win the league in my estimation all year long. Finishes at eight and six. What went right? Unbelievable draft for Elliot. I said it. He was in the draft room with me at Chris Roach's house. I closed my laptop after looking at his team and I was like, damn, L. Like, you smoked that draft, and all season long, it looked like it was going that direction. I mean, he had some of the best depth you could ask for. Just look at his bench on week one. These are his bench players. Ken Walker. Um, let me get to week one here. I'm just going by memory at that point. Uh, he had Ken Walker on his bench, Chris Olave. He had Christian Watson on his bench at that time. I know he didn't end up with him. Um, but just amazing depth. And we know that later on he traded Gabe Davis for Ramondre Stevenson. So absolutely loaded at the running back position, premier tight end check. Mark Andrews had a premier running back, Lamar Jackson check. I know Lamar had a down season, but him getting injured was the demise of Elliott's team. We'll talk about that more and what went wrong, but what went right was one of the best drafts. And I'm not saying that lightly, just one of the best overall drafts I've ever seen in fantasy football. He hit so many picks correct, 
It's a shame that um, I know his record at eight and six. He he was going through a situation where he was constantly, you know, playing against the top teams in the league. And I know he was stressed and worried, like, what the heck? You know, I was never worried about Elliott's team not making the playoffs. Now, he could have used a bye week, that's for sure. So I know he's probably upset he didn't get one. But, you know, as we know, Alicia was 13-1 uh, and one to end the season. That bye week was pretty much locked up at that point. He was playing for the second bye week and, um, you know, just didn't get it. And, uh, you know, but what what went right for Elliott's team was hitting on almost every single draft pick early on. Nice job. And what went wrong for Elliott? It's it's a two part situation for Elliott. Number one, maybe his team just peaked too early. I mean, his his roster was just so good and so stacked and deep. The bye weeks were nothing to him. He was, you know, taking Ramondre Stevenson off his bench to put in a starting lineup if there was a bye week. Just unbelievable depth here, and I just think his team might have peaked too soon. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, the injury to Lamar Jackson really destroyed his team. He kept starting Tyler Huntley instead of searching elsewhere. Um you know, Huntley, unfortunately, here's his game logs. 15 points against Denver. Not bad. So I think that was some false hope there. Denver is a good defense. So Elliott saw, hey, this guy, maybe he's not Lamar Jackson, but he can get me 15 points a game in my quarterback position. And here's what happened after that. Week 14, so the week right before playoffs, six fancy points. He thought maybe eh, just a down game. Let me continue to start him. Well, five points the next week against Cleveland, who doesn't have a good defense. And that's what ultimately destroyed the quarterback value on his roster. And, of course, Mark Andrews, who he drafted pretty high as a top-tier tight end. And when you don't have a quarterback, uh, you know, a good enough quarterback throwing to him, it really just hurt two positions on his team. And it just wasn't enough. And at that point, Travis Etienne was going through a slump. Um, Amari Cooper was playing in these cold weather, windy games. And um, again, I just think his team peaked too soon. But uh, phenomenal year by Elliott. I know he's been down in the dumps, like, you know, the quote unquote typical fantasy football, you know, like where it seems like it's all luck or whatever. And uh, in this situation, just a little bit of bad luck for him towards the end of the year. But I will say I can't recall him having any big season-ending injuries like most of the teams in our league have had. So for talking luck, I think he was one of the luckier teams as far as injuries go. All credit due to him for drafting this team, but there does, you know, luck comes into into play here as far as injuries go. And I don't think he had any guys, you know, tear ACLs, anything like that. So uh, besides Lamar Jackson missing the last couple weeks, um, he could have filled that position, uh, you know, with a different player. I know we're a lot of teams were playing quarterback roulette towards the end of the season. You know, I lost Jalen Hurts and was able to find some some waiver wire studs, to be honest with you. Jared Goff, we'll talk about my team later. But there, there were guys out there, and unfortunately for Elliott, he went with Tyler Huntley, so that's what went wrong. Our next team is going to be the BV Bar Wenches. That's Christopher Roach. Finishes the year at 10-4. and four, uh, Won his division and got the bye week this year. What went right? It's going to be the running back. Tony Pollard. Uh, just a phenomenal fantasy player and will be moving forward. I think he's going to be the new Kareem Hunt that, you know, he's not the starter, but man, oh man, he's going to be fantasy relevant. And I'm talking Kareem Hunt from like two years ago, not current years uh, Kareem Hunt. I'm talking he is an Aaron Jones type guy who also he had Aaron Jones on his team, but um, a, a guy that doesn't need the full workload, you know, a guy like Kamara, but can just win you a week. Tony Pollard has the juice, and um, it proved to be such a difference for him. 
that Tony Pollard finished as the running back seven, while Aaron Jones finished as the running back nine. And if you think about where those guys were drafted, how far apart, his running back one was actually Tony Pollard. It's it's crazy to think about that. Um, but obviously, he also had just unbelievable uh, upside with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle at his wide receiver positions. So that's where it went right for Chris Roach. Just tremendous upside at his uh, starting running back one and two and wide receiver one and two positions. And now the ugly part. What went wrong? Couple of issues here. Number one, Justin Herbert. That's his boy. And he did draft him pretty late in this league compared to most leagues that I saw. I was seeing Justin Herbert go second overall, usually, you know, right around the, uh, you know, right after Josh Allen. Usually Mahomes was third. And obviously we now know that that was a mistake. But um, Justin Herbert, for fantasy purposes, if you take out this past week where Roach, you know, was already out of the playoffs, Justin Herbert only threw for 21 touchdowns. Uh, he's the, you know, quarterback 12 at this point, probably quarterback 14 if you take out last week's performance. Again, which wasn't fantasy relevant for Roach. Uh, so a big disappointment that guys like Kirk Cousins ended up beating out Justin Herbert uh, on the year in fantasy. So he's a guy that in my matchup with Chris Roach in the semifinals, Justin Herbert getting him five fantasy points, just not going to get it done. That's one thing that went wrong. Uh, another thing that went wrong was activity. So, you know, this is right up there with Jason Kelly like uh, activity, only eight acquisitions on the year, zero trades. Listen, I'm not saying you need to make any trades. Um, there are plenty of people that can win championship championships without trades. But as far as acquisitions, I'm talking waiver wire. Now, look, as far as his team goes at the end of the year, wasted bench spots. That's another thing that went wrong here. He has Devin Duvernay on his bench, who's been on IR for a while now, as well as Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts was has been done for the season for weeks now. Um, so those are spots on his bench. He could have he could have filled those with potential upside, maybe backup running backs. Where you just never know. Um, you know, if you pick up a Joshua Kelly just in case. Uh, an Austin Eckler gets injured, something like that. So just inactivity and wasted bench spots. Props to him. I, that's the thing, though. It's like he's 10-4 and four on the year, which means he drafted well and always made the right starting lineup week by week. So you can't fault him for only making eight acquisitions. He finished a 10-4 record. But to me, for my purposes, you know, not having backup plans sometimes uh, on your bench and, and kind of wasting those bench spots – I think is uh, ultimately what, what kind of did him in as well as Justin Herbert. So again, phenomenal season by Roach. Uh, maybe less is more sometimes, but um, you know, I, I'd like to see a little bit more activity from Mr. Roach. Our next team is going to be Josh Benoit. Team name Play for Christ currently. Play for Christ 40. That was a, uh, that was a nod to, uh, to me. That used to be my, uh, my aim screen name uh so i guess joshua was pulling for me in the playoffs in championship i appreciate him uh but of course we know him formerly known as dawson knox's creek let's talk about what went right now what went right for josh was his activity so contrary to uh you know jason and and chris roach Talking about Josh, you know, besides myself, I didn't see anyone else more active than Josh. Maybe he was even more active than me, constantly looking for the needle in the haystack to help his team, uh, you know, get better. I love to see it. You know, we've chatted on the sides. It, man, I've, I've seen him grown as a fantasy football player. Just, uh, you know, about four years ago, he joined the league and didn't really know what was going on. But he's a very strategic person. Uh, very smart individual, and I knew he'd catch on eventually. And boy, did he! He turned his team around, as you know, as far as the waiver wire and obviously the trade of Palooza. That's just him trying to catch every edge possible, sending stuff out there, 
seeing who bites, who wants to, you know, make a deal in, and he did and changed his team dramatically. We're talking about guys. I mean, this is a guy I used to have. Uh, Jarek McKinnon. I drafted Jarek McKinnon. Ends up finishing as the running back 21 and was very useful in a championship run for Josh's team. I mean, just picked him up off of waivers. He saw, you know, maybe his snap count was going up. The uh, absolute... Uh, mayhem that was Clyde Edwards Alaire, like he was pretty much deleted from the team, opened up a door for Jerick McKinnon, picked him up. Um, you know, the trade, he, you know, at Devontae Adams, James Connor, he ends up picking up Justin Fields again, being active on the waiver wire. He saw something in Justin Fields, and that ended up really changing the outcome of his team. We talked about some teams already where they just Never found that quarterback, you know, a gauge, maybe even an Elliott where Lamar wasn't having a great season. And, um, you know, props to Josh for for taking a chance on Justin Fields and really propelling his team forward. Uh, nine and five record, nothing to shake a stick at. I can't believe that's the first time I've used that phrase this this podcast. Still don't know what it means, but but we're not shaking sticks at this team. Uh, he had a great season overall. And again, I think that trade and his activity is what propelled him to have a great season. And let's talk about what went wrong for Josh. Um, you know, looking back at his team, I don't think he drafted very well. So at that point, it doesn't matter. We already talked about what went right. And, and him kind of fixing that, but he almost kind of, he, he got out of the gate slow because of the draft he had. He had, you know, to no fault of his own, but he did draft Trey Lance. Um, he drafted Hunter Renfo early. I remember that being a huge question mark for me. Um, kind of judging Hunter Renfro on his past season, you know, that didn't have Devontae Adams and a banged up Darren Waller all year long. So had Hunter Renfro. Dawson Knox as his tight end one, who ended up, you know, emerging towards the end of the season, but not a great tight end option early on. Uh, you know, Chase Edmonds, who was released by the Dolphins, or I'm sorry, traded. Uh, you know, they, they didn't want him to be a part of the game plan anymore. So obviously just some question marks there with his team. Uh, Michael Pittman, who wasn't bad early on in the season, but as we know, the Colts turned into a, an absolute dumpster fire. That whole franchise, they, they don't know what they're doing. They ended up hiring an ESPN analyst Jeff Saturday to run their team. So uh, Michael Pittman, unfortunately, <laughs> can you know can be found in the gutter as far as fantasy football goes. Now, he did draft a decent bench here with uh, Cordero Patterson, who was banged up, but very fantasy relevant, and uh, Christian Kirk. So Christian Kirk ended up being a staple to his team as kind of that wide receiver uh, three or, or even, um, you know, flex number one position, and that's a high-end flex uh, in Christian Kirk. But, yeah, if we had to talk about it, I think that's what went wrong. He was losing some games early on. He ended up still making the playoffs. But who knows, maybe that cost him a bye week here. So uh, moving forward, we'll see if he's going to uh, continue to kind of draft guys that had good years the year before. And I'm talking mostly about, like, the Hunter Renfro pick. Um, you know, stuff changes. So as soon as Devontae Adams was in the fold with the Raiders, um Nothing's a sure shot, but it seemed like Hunter Renfro's role was going to be pretty much uh, reduced or even useless at that point. But that's all that went wrong for Josh. Uh, I commend him for his activity. Um, although, you know, sending out some some uh, rather crazy trades, but I understand why he did it because uh, he, he nailed one of those trades with Juan. Uh, completely changed the league. I don't think it was completely unfair for the league. I don't think Josh's team was like, a, oh my gosh, the league is super unbalanced. This is Josh's league to win now. So it, it wasn't that egregious, but um, it's one of those situations where he knows his stuff now. He does his homework. I think he enjoys the process of it. Like me, um, even if I don't win, I, I love the process leading up to uh, starting my lineups every week. So uh, it's been a pleasure seeing him grow. So proud of you. All right, our next team is going to be Alicia's team, Unleash the Beast. A phenomenal 14-1 overall season. What went right? Just an unbelievable starting lineup. 
So yeah, I could say like, oh, unbelievable draft. But she went all in on the starting lineup and um, having the number one quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, the number one tight end in Travis Kelsey. That stack is scary enough. But how about adding the number three running back in fantasy football, Josh Jacobs. As late as she got him, that is the fantasy darling of the year. He's the fantasy MVP, in my opinion. He was drafted 48th overall. I didn't have him on a single fantasy football team in six leagues. I was not a Josh Jacobs believer. I thought the writing was on the wall. New coaching staff. The Raiders didn't even re-sign him. Uh, he was pretty much playing on a one-year deal this year. And they're just going to basically move on from him uh, this coming year. Well, now I don't know if they want to do that. This kid is an absolute stud, and it proved time and time again uh, to help Alicia. And, oh, by the way, she had Jonathan Taylor, who obviously had a down year. But when he did play, he did help her team out a ton. But when you have a Josh Jacobs who becomes the new Jonathan Taylor, meaning you don't need Jonathan Taylor to give you much because you have Josh Jacobs. Um, just a phenomenal starting roster. Besides Elliott's, this is this was the best starting roster, in my opinion, because of the depth. I can't believe she got away with starting two tight ends for like the first like eight weeks. She had Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz. And what that did was it kind of hurt other teams where we're all battling to try to find ourselves a diamond in the rough at tight end. She had two good tight ends. Obviously, Ertz gets injured later on. Um, and one thing she did was she kept two kickers all year long. Maybe this should be part of the uh, what went wrong, but not much went wrong. So uh, I guess we can dive into that for a second. But a lot went right for Miss Alicia. Unbelievable season. You know, if I didn't, if I wasn't the one to beat you, I would have said it's a shame uh, that you lost because I would have liked you to see to get, you know, the record would have been uh, 15 and one. That would have been the all-time record uh, winning a season of all time. So unbelievable year by you, Alicia. All right, so let's get to it. What went wrong? Again, not much. Uh, some injury stuff here. Like I said, uh, Jonathan Taylor gets injured. Um, he was banged up all year long. That Colts offense and team in general was just a, a, a gross dumpster fire. Zach Ertz ends up getting hurt. Not, not a big killer there because he was your fourth, you know, or I'm sorry, second flex position in in a tight end at that. Um, Keenan Allen was banged up all season. He finally come, you know, comes back when you need him the most when Jonathan Taylor went down. So I don't ever think she had her full squad. Now week one, she did have her full squad and she ended up um, with 131 points. And that was with Devontae Smith. If you remember way back week one, Devontae Smith put up a goose zero points and he obviously turned his season around um but that was her full squad the only time she had her full squad Keenan Allen got injured he was out for most of the year and by the time he came back it worked out perfectly where she lost Jonathan Taylor but then Keenan Allen came back and really helped her squad but what went wrong was her depth that'll be uh you know the long and the short of it there her depth, her bench was not good at all. So she was really depending on this, this starting lineup. She drafted her entire starting lineup before, um, you know, before addressing her bench. And it shows with obviously, you know, the two kickers. She ended up with three tight ends uh, week one. She had Mike Kosicki on her bench, Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey. So there was really some wasted bench spots there. At that point, you don't need Mike Kosicki. You don't need a second kicker. Um, so she could have filled her bench with maybe um, the high upside handcuffs or, or maybe some uh, high upside wide receiver twos like rookies. Um, but that's all that went wrong. I can't say there's a ton of stuff that goes wrong with a team that's 14-1 and one, uh, on the season. I'm sorry, 14-2. and two. What am I thinking? I beat her at the end of the season. So she ends at 14-2, and two, correction. Uh, but again, phenomenal season. Not trying to talk bad about a 14-2 and two team. Our next and final team. Oh, baby, baby. You thought I could go this entire podcast without talking about Mr. Fahrenheit, the fourth. That's right. The name has changed. It was Mr. Fahrenheit, the third for three championships. We've moved on, christened it Mr. Fahrenheit, the fourth. 
Let's talk about what went right. I'm proud to say at this moment in time, what went right was zero RB. I couldn't wait to try it out. I said I was going to do this in one of my drafts. And for some reason, it just happened to be <laughs> uh, this league that I tried it. And I almost immediately regretted it because I have a podcast for this show. So this was going to go one way or another in my mind. And I might have even said this in the draft. I'm not saying that I predicted I was going to win the championship. But I said either I'm going to be one of the best teams in this league or absolutely one of the worst you know, bottom feeder teams in this league. And uh, my record said that I was kind of in the middle. I made the playoffs at seven and seven, but we all know, as I complained about all year, I was top three in scoring. So I was putting up monster points. We talked about like the Joe Chick team where it was kind of like hovering around a hundred points every week. Well, I was up and down. That needle was moving, you know, 70 points here, but then 170 the next week. That's my style. I'll, I'll take that all day. Um, because I'm just going to hope in the end I get more of those big boom games if everybody's healthy and I'm and I'm playing the waiver wire and trading right and building up depth as the season goes on. But long and the short of it, what went right was the, um, the zero RB strategy. Now, it wasn't that alone. It was also because of Jalen Hurts, who obviously banged up towards the end of the year. I didn't even get a chance to use him in playoffs. So I'm actually very proud of myself that the quarterback three on the season, Jalen Hurts, who I drafted, I was already proud that I drafted him in several leagues. I, I, I forecasted a good season for him, was able to draft him in most six rounds of, of my leagues. Um, but winning a championship without him because of the zero RB all wide receiver build. I, again, I'm very, very proud of it. I was able to, to withstand uh, some injuries. Again, we all have injuries. It's not the end of your season. We all struggle with it. Um, it is what it is. I lost Brees Hall. You know, I guess we could put that in what went wrong. But um, I was slowly and surely able to recover from those injuries. And I promise you, if that happens to you, you can do it. Like it doesn't. It's not fun to trade some of your best players. But if you don't see a way to kind of recover from a big time injury. Make a trade because if you're going to lose four or five weeks in a row, you're not going to make the playoffs. Don't be, you know, a Debbie Downer. I mean, I'm a Debbie Downer when my players get injured, but don't think your season is done when a player gets injured. My sweet, sweet Brees Hall left us in like week, I don't know, seven or eight. He left us. And uh, it was it was not great because what I gave up was DJ Moore and at that point, Damian Pierce, who was on fire for uh, Tom, and uh, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. But, you know, more about what went right was uh, filling that that running back position all year long. It, it was stressful at times, trust me. But ending up with David Montgomery and Tyler Algier as my running back one and two with guys on the bench, Gus Edwards and Rashad White as backups, that's not that bad. That's not bad at all for a zero RB build where I eventually acquired Brees Hall, a top running back, and then lost him. So what went right was the zero RB build. I can't wait to see if someone tries to steal that idea next year. I I don't recommend it. I'm just saying I don't know if I'll do it again. We'll see. I won the championship, but it took a lot to win it. Um, let me see how many acquisitions I had because I was constantly picking up the wrong tight end as well. Um, that'll be more about what went wrong. But uh, looking at my team, 65 acquisitions and seven trades. I would never recommend that to anybody, but that's what went right for Mr. Fahrenheit, the fourth. Yeah, so this is pretty simple. Uh, what went wrong was <laughs> the tight end position. Um, uh, you know, it was an ongoing joke. I got a couple of side chats and stuff, but I think I've even mentioned it in the in the league chat. I was just starting the wrong tight end at all times. I actually don't think I drafted well. My depth was pretty terrible uh, going into week one. So, uh, you know, I had Cole Komet as my starting uh, tight end. He ended up being one of the reasons why I lost week one, which made the, the playoff race that much tighter. Again, I lost to... Josh, I believe, by one point, 
and uh, didn't feel good with Cole Komet getting me zero points. So if he had just gotten me one more point, I would have won. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think my draft was great. I had guys like Melvin Gordon, Dotson, McKinnon, Zamir White, and Naheem Hines on my bench. I mean, Dotson and McKinnon, very, very late in the season, turned out to be fantasy relevant. But most of those guys, I mean, Melvin Gordon hurt me way more than he helped me. So if anything, going zero RB was fun, but I really botched my bench. I could have really helped myself out here, uh, you know, with better options at running back. And I'm going to I'm gonna use my team for next year on – I don't want those old guys. Like Melvin Gordon was like one of those, oh, he's the handcuff to Javante Williams. Well, Javante Williams goes down and Melvin Gordon – became worse so I, that's just one thing i'm gonna take you know maybe write down and try to remember for next year the 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 old backup running backs they're probably not going to be for me i need to go upside here I, I can't believe i probably took melvin gordon ahead of like guys like ken walker i mean he was also a backup running back and it, it is what it is so learning experience but that's what went wrong for mr fahrenheit the fourth and um that's going to conclude this episode. And of course, the season, 2022 season is uh, in the books. Of course, we're still praying and thinking about, um, you know, Damar and, um, you know, I hope, I hope he just slowly progresses and you start thinking about what kind of damages could be done, even if he ends up being okay, you know, brain damage, stuff like that. I'm no doctor. Um, you know, Gage is a nurse practitioner and he's been kind of talking, talking me and Elliot kind of through some of the stuff and it's all scary. So I hope nothing but the best for, uh, DeMar Hamlin, you know, him and his family and, um, you know, going back to the fantasy realm of things. Appreciate everybody. Uh, it's been fun. It's been real, but not real fun. Uh, as your league champion, I promise to remind you each and every week, uh, that I am your your Hey King. I'm your Hey King, like Dwight Schrute in the office. But thanks for another great season. Can't wait already for next year's draft and the draft grade episodes. Appreciate you all. We'll see you next season.